bias issue and, and race does come into play. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, The Voice of We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM, WHCR, the voice of Harlem. Let me tell you why yesterday was so exciting. Someone ordered a bottle of Grey Goose. We did not know who it belonged to, and my friend still opened it up and started to drink. No, I am a good human being. I did not touch that Grey Goose. Do you know why? Because it wasn't mine. Then one of my friends who cannot dance tried to do the nay-nay, and he hit the waitress <laughs> in the face, and she dropped the hookah. And you know what he said? My bad. I tripped. And then when the bouncer came in, he said, oh, wait, no, I didn't trip. Actually, she bumped into me. And then when the bouncer asked again, he said, wait, no, she didn't bump into me. She didn't trip. Actually, I farted. And then she got, <laughs> she lost her balance. And then the last time he said, actually, my friend Stanley was drinking a lot of Hennessy. I was not whiskey. <laughs> and he said it was absolutely his fault. And they said, you've just given us four different stories. What is actually the truth? And he said, honestly, I don't know. I'm really drunk, but I don't think I should be held accountable for this. And I tell you this story because guess what, America? We're doing the same exact thing. I was like, where is Stanley going with this? Lena, you must <laughs> no, this doesn't make sense. It You're switching up sense. your story. Who cares? Well, you know what? There's two things I have learned about the world. America can do whatever it wants to do and not be held accountable. Do you know why? Because why? reasons. And also, <laughs> America can hold everyone accountable. Do you know why? Because Jesus. So here is what happened a couple of weeks ago. Russia said that it would start bombing Syria to go after ISIS. But the funny thing about their bombing is, are they weren't bombing any ISIS bases. They were bombing rebels. And America's like, hey, when you're bombing places, you have to be really safe and secure. We go through an arduous process to make sure we don't bomb innocent bystanders because we care about people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Russia bombed Iran by accident. And America's like, see, this is why we're careful. Guess what happened last week, Saturday? America bombed Doctors Without Borders. And just like my good friend who tried to nay-nay and knocked over the waitress and gave four different stories because he couldn't hold his liquor or have any sense of rhythm, he did not want to be held accountable. America does not want to be held accountable. And at this very moment, you have the executive director of Doctors Without Borders, an organization that goes all over the world, including Kentucky, because they don't want to have health insurance, <laughs> to help people who are ailing from medical issues. They want America to be put under investigation from an independent source. You know what America says? No. Why would we why would we be held accountable? That's not a cool thing because America. And now we are in this room asking the question, should America be in trouble or should we just arrest the black guy? I think we should get Barack J. Kwan Hussein Obama and put him in jail, but other people don't think so because they don't think this is a war crime. So now we know this might be a war crime. We know that Barack J. Kwan Hussein Obama might be responsible for this. How? I'm not sure. We know the military changed their story four different times. We know that we have at least nine people dead. And last I checked, 33 people missing. But what we don't understand is what's going to happen from here. So to help us with that conversation, we have David Glazer. He is a professor of law and Lloyd's Tevis Fellow at Loyola Law School, Los Angeles. David, I love L.A. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I like I love North Northern California and San Francisco, which I cannot afford to breathe the air over there. But their burritos are freaking amazing. Anyways, before attending the University of Virginia School of Law, Glazer served 21 years as a U.S. Navy surface warfare officer. So he could probably beat us all up with his pinky. Glazer also earned an M.A. from Georgetown University in governmental and national security studies, which means he knows where Eric Snowden is. But he won't tell us because <laughs> that is beyond security clearance. David, thank you so much for calling us to the show thank you so much for your service and also what is your favorite drink to get at brunch <laughs> orange juice 
Uh, David, right, come on. I think we're on the same page. Good right, morning, Selena. David. Well, Selena can get drunk off of smelling Hennessy. That happened so that before. Is, <laughs> David, not even like, well, not vodka, because vodka's for college. But like, nothing else? No. <laughs> all right, it's okay. I forgive you. I forgive you. It's all good. I once tried to get a Bloody Mary, but with whiskey. And the waitress just looked at me. It's not how Bloody Mary They were works. like, look, there's a program for people like you. That's what she <laughs> yes, said. Yes, it's called party time. It's called AA. <laughs> so, David, um, we need your help with this conversation because I am amazingly beautiful and talented, but I know nothing about foreign policy. And Selena is a great hostess, but this is not her segment, so I can't just blame her if it goes wrong. So we know that America or Afghan forces or a stray bomb wandering the streets on its own just happens to hit a doctor's without borders. So objectively looking at this, the first question I want to ask, just to get it out of the way, is, is this a war crime? If it really was, the bomb really came from America, or if we were involved in this process, is this a war crime? Well, to start with the conclusion, um, probably not. And the, the reason for that is simply that there Law of war uh, has a very, very large body of rules governing the conduct of hostilities, but contrary to popular conception, only a very, very small percentage of those rules are actually uh, stigmatized with having criminal sanctions associated with them. So when we use the term war crime, people commonly use it to refer generically to a violation of the law of war, but to use it precisely, we really have to, to limit it to, to the small set of, of rules that have criminal sanctions associated with them. If this was a deliberate attack on the hospital, in other words, if the persons who were conducting the attack actually knew that they were uh, striking a hospital and went ahead and, and did so anyway, um, then it, it could be a war crime. But certainly the facts as we know them now seem to suggest that the more likely explanation is that there was just a lot of confusion uh, about what was going on and that they probably thought, by probably I mean the U.S. personnel at least, presumably thought that they were repelling a, a Taliban attack and, and may have been negligent about the fact that they were shooting at a hospital, but probably did not make a conscious decision to shoot at a hospital under the circumstances. David, in all 75 different excuses the military gave, there seems to be this understanding that people realized there was a, there was a hospital in the area. What is the, what's the probability of, them, of this not being a situation where they made a calculated decision? And how do we know, how can we even prove that it was done on purpose or by accident? Well, it's, it's going to be hard, obviously. Um, but, of course, those who, who want to see it prosecuted as a war crime or any, any prosecutor that would actually prosecute it is then going to have the burden of proof of demonstrating that the military knew and deliberately disregarded the fact that you know, it was a hospital. Because a war crime, like any other crime, at least in theory, has to be proved beyond a, a reasonable doubt. Um, the, the U.S. is obviously going to, to argue um, and, and certainly the people involved are going to argue that, look, this was 2 o'clock in the morning. We're in a foreign city uh, that's been essentially overrun by the Taliban. We're working to push the Taliban out. Um, we're under fire. We're in, you know, it's in the dark. We're confused. And even if in a perfect world, uh, you know, we, we had coordinates for the hospital, under, under the reality of the situation where we're thinking that lives are on the line and there's an ongoing attack in the middle of the night, you know, 
could we reasonably exercise the kind of perfect judgment that uh, you know the critics are, are saying that we needed to? Selena? Um, so, guys, if you're listening and tuned in and you have a question about this tragedy that happened in Afghanistan and that killed 22 people, you can call us up. The number is 212-650-6903. Or you can tweet us at BeHerd underscore radio. Or yeah. if you're really interested, tweet us at HR underscore BeHerd underscore radio underscore Twitter. That's not That's a real hand. Not, that doesn't exist, guys. <laughs> um, right, so, so David, you know, when I first heard about this tragedy, it killed 22 people, um, you know, including some doctors in Afghanistan. Automatically, I was like, what what happened? Why did this happen? And will the U.S. be held accountable for this? And, you know, at, at first there was a lot of pushback, like as Stanley kept saying, the, the U.S. kept changing his story. And then eventually President Obama has um, to, uh, apologized. But the executive director of Doctors Without Borders has said, you know, that's not good enough. And they're demanding a investigation to be held by the International Humanitarian Fact-Finding Commission to look into this incident. Um, can you can you and this is so much to talk about, but but can you start with exactly what happened with this bombing? From my understanding, it was an AC one thirty shell that hit the hospital, and that is very very precise. Now you've worked in the military. I don't think it was an accident. It doesn't it doesn't sound like this could have that type of floor. Like it has such good accuracy. It sounds like it wouldn't ever like you know, stray away or something. George Bush once mentioned that this um, this weapon is so accurate, you could shoot it through someone's window to get them. Right. Maybe it shot through the Doctors Without Borders window. I mean, so, so, and then when you look at it from that perspective, and then you also look at what Doctors Without Borders has done, automatically they've put out a statement saying that this was a war crime. They've used that term in their statement on their website, and they're just really focusing on the morality and the fact that there was so much, you know, death and tragedy around this um this this hospital around this incident so what like what is your response to that do you think that doctors without borders is essentially being irresponsible by calling this a war crime without an investigation well i mean i i i have a great deal of respect um you know for the doctors without borders organization um anybody that's that's familiar with them knows that they do incredible work um at incredible risk um, around the world, and certainly one can understand that they are justifiably outraged um, that their personnel um, in Afghanistan uh, and the patients they were treating could, you know, could suffer these horrors. So um, I, and they're also not a legal organization, so I, I'm loath to criticize them um, for their their reactions to this, and I can certainly understand that given the fact that they have people exposed and at risk all over the world, that they very much want to see the law come down in their favor so that their people will feel that when they take these risks in the future that they're going to be protected if if they are um, the subject of an attack. Um, And and I also understand that there, there, there are at least colloquial reports from from Afghanistan, that the Afghan military um, was not a fan of this organization and was very concerned about the fact that this organization would treat members of the Taliban, even though under the laws of war, any medical facility in the vicinity of a conflict is legally obligated to treat people who are hurt or sick on any side of the conflict. So um, as a matter of law, definitely 
uh, Medicine Sans Frontiers was doing what they were supposed to be, mm. and the Afghans who are critical are, are just wrong. Um, but on the other hand, that could also lead one to think that perhaps the Afghan soldiers who may, I mean, this is one of the areas where the facts are really confused as, as to who first requested um, this air support. But it certainly, you know, one might think cynically it's not beyond the realm of possibility that the Afghan fighters could have, in fact, known what this facility was and could actually have had some motivation for wanting to see it struck, in which case they might, in fact, um, have committed a war crime, even if the, the U.S. participants could conceivably have been ignorant. Now, sure, this, this aircraft does have very, very impressive tactical capabilities, and it will hit what it's aiming at, but that doesn't establish that the operators knew that they were aiming you know, at a hospital. Uh, and this is one of the problems with, with the investigation. The investigation is necessarily going to have to look very closely at procedures, but it's also going to have to look very closely at technological capabilities. You're absolutely right. And, you know, I'm all for this investigation, but, you know, I, I guess the question that I'm, that I'm asking is, you know, we all understand that outrage that Doctors Without Borders has and the international backlash that the U.S. is getting. But again, to use this term, war crime, like you are a professor of law, and is it okay to be using this, or is this sensational? Is this just, you know, hyperbole in, in a certain, or exaggeration in a certain degree? Because we don't know there is no investigation. Yeah, no, you're absolutely. I mean, it, it is very premature um, for anybody to be, be concluding that this is a war crime. Um, and, and again, part of the problem is that even most people who have a little bit of knowledge about, about foreign policy and, and international law are not actually close enough students of, of the law of war to, to appreciate just sort of how narrowly uh, constrained the, the definitions of, of war crimes are and what a high standard there is. So the law, you know, doesn't allow you just to indiscriminately attack things, um, but on the other hand, the standard uh, of for such an attack to actually rise to a crime is is almost ridiculously high, um, particularly as it's codified in the Rome Statute of the International Criminal Court, which is where most people would look today to find a list of war crimes. It requires you to really know um, up front that you're, you're conducting an impermissible attack and doesn't make it a crime to, to commit an attack by mistake. Hey, this is Rachel. Um, I, so my question for you now is, if the there is so much gray area about whether this is a war crime or not, but Doctors Without Borders is such an important and reputable organization, wouldn't it be in the best interest of the United States government to just fully cooperate with the investigation that they're calling for? And are is the United States currently doing that right now? No. So the um, the Doctors Without Borders has asked specifically for. Uh, an organization called the International Humanitarian Fact-Finding Commission um, to conduct an investigation. Now, that commission was actually set up by a, a particular treaty, the 1977 Additional Protocol to the Geneva Conventions of, of 1949. The United States has refused to join that treaty, um, so we're not bound by it as a matter of law. And Afghanistan has joined the treaty, but even when you join the treaty, it's optional as to whether or not you accept 
the authority of this commission to conduct investigations on your territory, and Afghanistan has not um, accepted that obligation. So um, it's, it's still possible for the two countries to agree to allow the, the commission to investigate, but given the fact that both of them have, have refused um, to either join the treaty in our case or to accept the commission's jurisdiction, it would be a, an unusual step um, for the two states to do it. They, they can, but it would be very unusual. And, and knowing how the U.S. government works, I can understand, I'm not saying that I agree with, but I can understand why the U.S. government would not want to establish a precedent uh, of accepting the, the jurisdiction in this case, because it would simply be under increased uh, pressure to do so in, in similar cases in the future. That is pretty interesting. So, and obviously, this is not the exact same thing, but it it kind of reminds me of if I were in Florida, where you know that you're allowed to shoot a gun as long as you're thirsty, <laughs> and someone walked past and I shot a bullet in the air and the bullet hit them, and then now the cops are like, "Hey, you got to go to jail," and I'm like, "Well, I don't want to cooperate in that because no." And then they were like, okay, cool. That's what it would be like. But obviously, America has power, and there are certain rules you have to follow. So not, not exactly the same thing, but pretty interesting nevertheless. So anyways, guys, we do have to go on a quick break. When we come back, we'll be talking more about America, Doctors Without Borders, and what the hell is happening in Afghanistan, that place we thought we left three years ago. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM, WHCR, The Voice of Harlem, Swing My Way. This could be you talking on the air, but you don't want to call 212-650-6903 and hope that I won't hang up on you because I'm just an idiot sometimes. Or maybe I'm drunk. Who knows? <laughs> and if you just tuned in, we are talking about the bombing or the attack, whatever you want to call it, on the MSF hospital that was run by Doctors Without Borders. And we are on the phone with the mighty David Glazer. He is a professor of law and Lloyd Tevis fellow at Loyola Law School in Los Angeles. And as I said before, I love Northern California. I am mad at Los Angeles right now because they beat the Mets last night and Chase Utley broke Ruben Tejada's leg and he needs to get hit with a fastball by Matt Harvey on Monday but I digress if you want to call in guys you can do that but you can tweet us too at BeHerd underscore radio and before I get on another rant of whiskey and Mets baseball we're going to get back on the topic and we have a question coming from Andrea yes hi so my question is um, back to the point you made about not knowing the coordinates and it being you know, dark in a country that we don't know I know that the head of Doctors Without Borders had come out two days ago and said that they had given the exact coordinates to the American military on the 29th and the 30th preparing for an attack that was going to take place in Afghanistan. So I guess my question is just how can we kind of say that we went in there blindly when, you know, notice was given that this is where we are. Please don't attack us. Um, Very fair question. And, and so a meaningful investigation is going to have to look at a couple things. I mean, the first is the U.S. procedures. We got this information. What did we do with it? How was it actually you know, disseminated to uh, the U.S. military personnel at an operational level? And then there also will be technological questions. You know, what kind of uh, navigation systems did, for example, the troops on the ground who supposedly called in the airstrike have you know, did they have some kind of GPS device or something which allowed them to see their position, to see where they were, were targeting, and could, did it in fact store and display uh, information about where the hospital was? And also the same question for the aircraft. And we do know the aircraft has a very, very precise navigation system. We know that it has a very capable precision targeting system. 
did the aircraft, in fact, have the information about where the hospital was in its navigation system? Does the navigation system actually talk to the targeting system in a way that it would alert an operator you know, that they're conducting an attack? So there really are all kinds of procedural and, and technological questions that need to be answered by the investigation, as well as you know, sort of the, the bigger picture of, of culpability and, and legal accountability. David, I have two questions for you. The first one is, um, and, I, and I think I, I kind of suspect I know the answer because it, like, if you do this, you, you're kind of accepting blame for it. But will the, the U.S. help with the people who died and people who are injured? Will they like cover the cost for funerals and expenses, or like, give any kind of compensation to these victims? That's the first question. And the second question is: the U.S. in particular, our military, was so adamant about what Russia needs to do and what it needs not to do because it's, it's very dangerous and and you can hurt an innocent bystander. Whether it was negligence or bad information or anything at all, are you telling me that we can walk away from this and no one is going to suffer any consequences? Because in the U.S., and I know that it may differ depending on how much money you make over here, but if you kill someone, even if it's from negligence, you might go to jail unless you know you're rich and you can say you have influenza and then you go to rehab. But other than that, you actually have to suffer consequences. How, how is it possible that we can just walk away from this and just have some bad press? Yeah, two excellent questions. So, first of all, with respect to compensation, um, international law allows a, a country, actually our domestic law does too, to pay compensation at internationally known as ex gratia payments, um, where you compensate without admitting um, wrongdoing. And, and I saw something in the news yesterday, the day before, which indicated that the U.S. was, in fact, going to go ahead and do that. So at least um, we are going to provide some modest compensation for the victims, which I think we can all agree is, is at least a good thing. Um, we can argue about whether it will be adequate or not. Um, with respect to the accountability, another very good question, because while I've said that it would be very, very difficult to establish this as a war crime, United States military personnel are still subject to legal accountability under the Uniform Code of Military Justice. And so if procedures were not followed, for example, which resulted in preventable deaths, then this could presumably be charged um, as an ordinary act of, of manslaughter or, or negligent homicide. So there are options for accountability for U.S. personnel other than having to, to prove it's a war crime, and there are certainly ways that we can hold our, our own personnel accountable. I, I have to say, though, that, that based on you know my time in the military and, and looking at, at past events like this, I think it's, the reality is that it's, it's not likely to happen. Yeah. Um, but it is certainly a you know, possibility. And those people who are concerned about having accountability you know, might come across as, as, as more credible or, or at least have sort of a harder argument for the U.S. to refute if they're arguing for meaningful accountability within the U.S. military. And it's sort of alluded to by your question, but absolutely, I mean, we, we have to be totally candid on this. The U.S. is totally hypocritical um, in our approaches to these things. You know, with respect to our personnel in this instance, we're, we're hiding behind very, very strict and narrow definitions of what constitutes a war crime. And then at Guantanamo, we're prosecuting people for all kinds of stuff which doesn't constitute war crimes in any credible sense of the word, mm. but we're claiming it's a war crimes tribunal. So we are totally hypocritical when it comes to this kind of stuff. The American hypocrites. Thank you, Selena. Um, so, David, I, I wanted to know, why does it feel like this 
attack and this incident is being polarized and um and in and, and, and this way and it feels like you know if you fall on the left and if you're liberal and progressive then it's like okay you you're siding with doctors without borders but then you have a lot of military personnel and people like john kane and conservatives who are like this was absolutely not a war crime and, and the u.s should not be apologizing i can answer that because liberals are socialist and they <laughs> hate america no i mean but the thing is i think it goes deeper because when i was speaking to um another military expert and i asked the same question and he was like it's it's not a left and right issue it's a right and wrong it's a black and right and it all a black and white issue and it all comes down to the law do you think that for some reason i i guess some people are using this and and taking advantage of this incident to advance their own political agenda well um I, I mean, hate to sort of criticize the motivation, but, you know, the reality is that when we talk about sort of the ugly side of war, um, there really does seem to be sort of, a, you know, a broad political divide. Um, you know, we have a lot of people who are rightfully kind of outraged when they hear about an incident like this. I mean, I'm, I'm you know, a strict interpreter of the law and these kinds of things, but I'm, I'm very concerned about this, and, and I certainly don't want, you know, want to see us take positive measures to make sure that we learn from this and it doesn't happen again. Um, but you do have an awful lot of people who tend to be on the right side of the political spectrum who kind of like, you know, hold out sort of supporting the troops as the number one priority. And, you know, we're asking these American soldiers to go to these conflict zones and take risks, and by God, we've got to back them. And why should we be terribly upset about the fact that they happened to kill some Afghan patients and a bunch of foreign doctors? You know, those people shouldn't have been there in the first place if they didn't want to take the risk of getting hit. So you really do have this very, very broad political divide. And unfortunately, my sense is that people usually sort of use the law uh, to bolster arguments where they've already formed their political uh, conclusion first, and they're not really interested in, in what the law says. They just use law as, as part of their political arguments. David, thank you so much for that. And that's one of the things that really ticks me off. And while you were talking, I was finding words to use so I would not curse and get our show suspended and possibly canceled. But everyone's always talking about, we got to support our troops, we got to make sure they're safe and everything else like that. But the only people that might actually be held accountable or have to deal with this blood on their hands are the actual troops. The man or the woman who had to pull the trigger on that, or who had to make the decision on that, or who got the, the incorrect information, who they're not necessarily on C-SPAN or CNN giving excuses, but they know that innocent people died because of something they may or may not have had to do with. And when they get back to the States, when their term is over, they're not going to have proper health insurance, they're not going to have proper counseling to deal with this grief they're not going to have a job because our economy sucks despite this 5.1 unemployment rate where you see people getting jobs at fast food places where they get paid eight dollars an hour and are told to, to survive and then everyone's going to tell them they're lazy or they're greedy or they're asking for too much even though they were sent to another country to kill a whole bunch of people they didn't know in the name of america and for politics we don't seem to understand because they're never clear because america has 70 77 different interpretations for why they do things but no very hard answers and no accountability and and then, so like, so now you have this person who, or these persons who had to do these things, and everyone's talking about protecting them, but like I said, when it's all said and done, they're screwed. And you have these other people over here who are victims of this, of these attacks. They're screwed as well. Isn't this kind of behavior what perpetuates the anger and aggression that so many people had towards America? And yes, it was a Doctors Without Borders, but don't you think this might be a case of chickens coming home to roost? Yeah, I, I, you know, I can't disagree with you. And, of course, one of the things that the people that are sort of 
willing to defend the military, everything like this happens, is they seem to forget that ultimately we fight wars for political purposes. And if the conduct, if the way we fight the war ends up alienating um, people overseas or causing more enemies, then ultimately it's self-defeating. And, and the sacrifices we make, the people on, on our side who suffer, and, and, and the people on the other side, and the innocent folks caught in the middle who suffer, you know, it all goes for nothing. We end up making the situation worse. And certainly I think anybody that, that takes an objective view would be hard-pressed to look at Afghanistan or Iraq today and say that either one of those countries is better off after all the years of war that have taken, taken place there. Amen to that. And incidents like this, unfortunately, just contribute um, to that and highlight why it's really important that our conduct of hostilities not just comply with the law of war, but actually exceed the requirements, because otherwise you lose. No, you definitely do lose. So, David, we do have to wrap this up. Please let our listeners know how they can learn more about this topic and more from you if you have a blog available or a Twitter account. You should follow me if you do, or anything like that. Well, or if you're going to get a Twitter account, yes. if you plan on doing that. <laughs> I don't know. I used to be big on technology, but somehow I seem to have gotten left behind around 2000 or so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so it's all good. We forgive you. We're millennials, but we forgive you, don't David. Don't feel bad. I went to update my Black Planet account the other day. Apparently, it's gone. I know. Sam's still on MySpace, so he's behind on the times as well. So, David, um, thank you so much for calling in today. We really appreciate all the great information you gave us. You have a wonderful day, and you enjoy your orange juice at that brunch, all right? Okay, thanks. Don't Thank you. So, guys, we are going to wrap this conversation up. And I really want to talk about something that um, holds dear to my heart. America has this really lustful fantasy about war. And maybe it's because of movies. Maybe it's because about books. Maybe it's these rousing speeches we give. But people seem to be so lustful, so turned on by the idea and the concept of war. You go to some place you don't recognize, you drop a whole bunch of bombs, and you kill a whole bunch of brown people in the name of America, in the name of freedom. But they don't think about the part where you take a whole bunch of people from all these different countries, and you put them in some prison that no one knows about, and then you torture them. And they don't talk about the fact that, hey, maybe we're going to drop some bombs in some places and we're going to kill a whole bunch of innocent bystanders people who just live there and call it collateral damage and say it's not our fault because we tried our best to make sure no one died and then they say we're going to let people go to the middle east or to wherever we're going to war at and let them help people and then we'll drop a bomb and if they die it's not a war crime because hey maybe someone messed up maybe they didn't maybe maybe it was afghanistan maybe i was sleepy maybe i don't want to be held accountable and then these same people who they send out to war when they're 18 19 20 21 years old who they train to be killing machines who they tell they do it for their country they send them back home and they don't give them the resources that they need and they tell them that hey we're really proud of you and they give them a pen and let them go to a baseball game or two for free and then when this person starts to crack because they've done all these things they've killed all these innocent brown people they've killed all these innocent people in Europe and they don't know what's happening with their lives anymore we say hey why are you being so greedy this is America you need to pick yourself up by your bootstraps we don't care if you're depressed we don't care if we did this because our hospitals are overcrowded and we're not going to do anything about it except for give a speech and talk on CNN about the black guy because that's what we do and when we make a mistake we will not be held accountable but if you slip up we will pull the full 
foot of the law on the back of your neck. And if you're black, we probably shot you already. And that is a problem that I have with America. And that is a problem that I have with the situation over here. We killed nine people. 33 people are still missing. Doctors Without Borders, whether they're wrong or not for calling it a war crime, was put in a situation where people lost their lives. And America's going to wash their hands and go bomb another country. So, guys, I'm tired of ranting. I want to play a song, go on a break, drink some Hennessy, and get to the news roundup. Stay tuned. Until then, no one man or country should have all this power. I'm serious. I really shouldn't. 